we thank you for it. May you uh, strengthen us, build us up, and um, may we uh, are edified and to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you don't know by now, I mean, one thing I have learned to do is enjoy reading. You know, it didn't come easy. I had to learn it because I didn't like reading growing up. But now I do, and I try to read as often as I can. And lately I've read about an Australian psychologist named Steve Bidolf. I don't know if anyone's heard of Steve Bidolf or Stephen Bidolf. He once said that in a room of 100 Australian men, 33 will not have spoken to their fathers in years, maybe decades. Another 33 will speak to their fathers, but it ends badly. Words are said, someone storms out, and a door is slammed. And the last 33 would say that they have an okay relationship with their fathers because they catch up once a week for dinner or coffee or whatever. But that's only duty and it's not a warm relationship. So Steve Bidoff goes on to say that in a room of 100 Australian men, only one can say they have a warm, functional relationship with their father. Only one. And that's alarming, I think. And as I was reading this in a book called um, Evangelism in a Skeptical World by Sam Cham, I couldn't help but question you know, whether I'm that one in that hundred. You know, it just crossed my mind. Now, do I have a warm and functional relationship with my father? Well, I know I want to have warm, functional relationships, per se. That's what I want. And that includes my father. I do. And I just don't want to stop at that. I don't want to stop at warm, functional relationships. You know, I want it to last. I want to have warm, functional and lasting relationships. I want it to last a lifetime. Not just with my father, but with my children also. And that is what I'm going to talk about this morning. How do I have a warm, functional and lasting relationship with my father? How do I, as a father, make it work, make it last? Or better still, as I want to instruct all the fathers here this morning, I want to put the question this way. How can you have a warm, functional and lasting relationship with your children? So today, we're going to answer this question from uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. So if you've, got, if you've got your Bibles handy, you might as well take them out. If not, um, I'll put it up on the screen. We're going to see how this passage teaches us how to have a lasting relationship with our children. Let me just try one more time. I'll just go to the next slide. Thanks. Okay. I'm going to just read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there are three points um, that I get from this passage that I want to bring to your attention. And the first is, as fathers, we want our children to listen to us. We want our children to listen to us, don't we? In this passage, Paul instructs us, well, instructs the children here to listen to the parents. We read, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's instruction, that's a command. Not just to hear, but to listen and do. Not just words that come to the ear, but action follows listening. And this is what we want as fathers, that our children listen to us. For example, yesterday after the kids bathed themselves, um, I asked Emily to bring a comb to me so I can comb her hair. Just a simple instruction. Emily, can you go get the comb so I can comb your hair? But what did she do? Well, for starters, she didn't listen the first time. She's off in her own world doing her own thing. So I've got to ask her again. Emily, can you go get the comb so I can comb your hair? And she goes, okay, Daddy, and off she goes. And then she doesn't come back for a while. So I'm thinking, no, no, she hasn't gone to get the comb. She's gone, but not to get the comb. (laughs) So I went to go and get the comb. I went to the bathroom, got the comb. I went to her bedroom, and what what do I see? I see Emily sitting there putting purple ointment on her lips. Because that's what she has to do. (laughs) She doesn't have to listen to me. She has to do that first, you know. And and it's frustrating. Because I want Emily to listen to me. It just makes for, you know, good for relationship. Um, It's just something that we need to get done. She needs to have her hair combed so that it doesn't dry up and it's all knotty. And then, you know, she might be disappointed if if there are too many knots and we're going to take it to a hairdresser to fix it up. I mean, she probably wouldn't like that. Um, so I want Emily to listen to me, but she doesn't do it straight away, and it's frustrating. And I know many parents who experience children who don't listen. Maybe all parents do, I reckon. I mean, I was chatting with some of the mums at um, school pickup when I go to pick growing up, and they were telling me, you know, put your socks on seven times. I have to tell them, it just happens. And we want our children to listen to us. That's what we want. Yeah. Um, You see, we want our children to listen to us, not just because it is commandment, but because it's the first commandment with a promise. Children are instructed to value their parents. Listen, this is the first commandment that comes with a promise. Honour your father and mother. And the word honour means to value, to respect. It's like we're putting a price on 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 our parenthood, on who we are. And it's either going to be a huge one or a little one. And obviously we want our kids, we want to raise them to listen to us and they honour us and, and value us and listen to everything we say because we want to raise them up right. And it's the first commandment that comes with a promise. So what that means is if you have a look at all the commandments, well, if you go to the list of the ten, the ten commandments, uh, you look at all of them and then you get to the fifth one and you see this one has a promise attached to it. None of, none of the others in the Ten Commandments do. There are probably others with 
with a promise attached to it. But this is the first one that has a promise attached to it. And the promise goes like this. Go well and live long. See, that it may go well with you and that, it may, that you may live long in the land. And I wanted to um, bring your attention to the go well and live long. It sounds familiar. It sounds like, well, the go well sounds like having a warm functional relationship. And the live long sounds like that it long, lasts a long time. So it sounds a lot like a warm functional relationship that is long lasting, doesn't it? And that's what we want our children to do. That we want them to listen to us so that we can have those warm functional relationships that the promises that, that, are, that are promised here come to effect. We want our children to listen to us and to value us because we know that it would lead to warm functional relationship that is long-lasting. And these commandments help us to attain this end. Just like Christ who listened to his Father and did everything he commanded him, he has a forever relationship with his Father. One so close that he can say that he and his Father are one. That's how close they were. Like the one. And now we come to the second point. As fathers, we want our children to listen to us. But as we teach our children, we have the potential to anger them and therefore have an unhealthy relationship with them. So what do I mean by this? That we have the potential to anger them. I mean, sure, we want them to listen to us, but if we're not careful, we have the potential to raise our children angry. And that's what he's meant here, to raise them angry. Paul commands fathers here not to raise our children angry. He says, do not provoke your children to anger. It doesn't mean that we try to avoid, you know, getting them angry. They're going to get angry from time to time. The difference here is that um, we're not trying to raise them angry. Okay, we're not trying to exasperate them or irritate them so that all their, all their lives they can just think of is, oh, I didn't have a good relationship with my, my dad and I'm just angry all the time because of that. Not to provoke our children. Don't raise them up angry. And it doesn't take much to raise a child angry. Um, and the simplest way to raise children angry is to abandon them or spend little time with them. I mean, I can think of uh, one way to illustrate this. There's a movie um, um, the kids like to watch called the Lego Ninjago movie. Anyone seen it? Yeah, I think it's a pretty good movie. I highly recommend it. It's a kids' movie, but it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of um, um, it stimulates adults as well. You know, um, so one of the characters from the Lego Ninjago movie is named Lloyd, and he's quite angry at his dad. Not, not because his dad's the, um, the city's villain, so the dad comes every day to try to take over the city. Not, not that reason, and not that Lloyd, you know, is fighting his dad every day in that context, but he's, he's angry at his dad because his dad abandoned him when he was a baby. And there's a moment in the movie where he tells his dad, you know, his dad finds out that he's the green ninja, and, and Lloyd tells his dad um, that that his dad ruined his life. And his dad responds with, well, how could I have ruined your life? I wasn't even there. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not a good answer. 
it's just putting more fuel on the fire. I mean, you've got a bad enough relationship as it is, and what, what would you do? Just put more fuel on the fire. <laughs> but it's just, um, yeah, Lloyd was a boy. He was raised angry. Not because his dad provoked him in a way, but because his dad wasn't around. He'd done it through his absence. So, he did, you know, do... A lot of kids grow up these days not having a good relationship with the father because the fathers just weren't around. And, and it's really sad. There's another illustration here in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says that we are to raise and nurture our children with discipline and instruction. Or perhaps, um, to put it this way, boundaries and counselling. I like to put it this way. Sometimes, sometimes we read a word in the Bible... And we understand it in our English context. But if we go deeper and look at the meaning in the, in the original language, we find that there's a whole lot more there. We're probably only getting 25% of, of what the word actually means. So we need to go and dig deeper so we can understand more. So discipline and instruction, simply boundaries and counselling. So discipline is about setting boundaries. It involves training, correction, chastening. It's, it's more about consequences. It's more about um, following up if the, if the child has um, disobeyed and then there are consequences that follow that, that disobedience. While instruction is about warning, it's about admonition or counselling. It's more about communication and dialogue. So one is more about action or doing, the other one's more about communication dialogue. It's about education. And we need to have a balance of both because if we provide too much discipline, it's not good because we forget the, um, the, their children. Um, they will act up. That's normal. We can't be too strict on, on discipline and forget, forget to teach them because they're just going to think that um, if they follow a set of do's and don'ts, they can be good enough. And maybe they'll never be. Good. Maybe they'll come up with the conclusion that they'll never be good enough because the standard is just way too high. Um, and um, if we provide too much counselling, if we just um, talk to them about it too too much, it's not good either because we forget that they are not adults. I mean, we sure we need to explain things, um, and that's important. But they're not. They're not adults and they need boundaries and we need to set that for them. Um, they can't learn everything rationally. They need to learn it practically as well. So remember, our focus is to raise them up so that we can have warm, functional and lasting relationship with them. Not to be too hard on with them with discipline and forget about instructing them. And not to be too easy on them with discipline and focus too much on instruction. We need to have a good balance there. And this is what Paul instructs. They need boundaries and counselling and fathers need to be careful not to raise them angry. Um, yesterday, going back to the story with Emily, yesterday I went to comb her hair and before I did, like, I got a comb and I went to her room and I found her with the PowerPoint ointment. I got her and I didn't make too much of an, an attention of what she's doing because I think, you know, putting PowerPoint ointment is good for your lips. But what I told her is I, I got a comb, I sat her down and has explained to her that I'm going to comb her hair. And I didn't raise my voice or anything. I'm going to comb her hair and then I'm going to sit her on a bed for a timeout. And the reason, and I explained, so this is the inst 
the, um, the instruction side and the discipline hand in hand. And I explained to her that she needs to learn to, to listen to me uh, because um, we want to have get things done, you like comb her hair so she doesn't end up with permanent knots in there or dreadlocks. Um, you know, she does want the hippie part. She always asks for that every morning, but she, I don't think she would want the dreadlocks just yet. Who knows, maybe she would in the future. <laughs> All right, but, um, but yeah, she does want plaits in her hair, so that's maybe one step in that direction. Um, yeah, um, I explained to her that she needs to learn to listen, and this is a consequence of not listening. So she sat on her bed for four minutes, and that was her time out. And um, I gave her boundaries, I gave her counselling, I gave her discipline, I gave her instruction. Um, and I didn't make too much of a big deal, except that it's a learning process for her. And I, and I know it's going to happen again and again and again. Uh, it's just part of um, parenting. It's like um, the last movie I watched was um, The Karate Kid. Not the old one, but the, um, the new one, the 2010 one with Jackie Chan and, and Will Smith's son, um, which I forget his name. And so Jackie Chan is teaching the boy, and he tells him, well, take off your jacket, hang it up on the hook, take it off the hook and throw it on the floor, pick it up, put it on your jacket. It's repetitive, it's repetitive. He does it again and again and again and again. He's like, gee, uh, am I learning this to... Um, so the kid's say, thinking in his head, am I learning this to... Um, learn respect for others, or what, what's the point? And then Jackie Chan teaches him why he did it. Because a lot of the movements are all um, part of the movements in Kung Fu. So going down to pick up with two hands, you're doing a block. Putting your jacket on, on and off, you're moving your arms in a way to do a block. You're strengthening your arms. So they're all, he took everyday experiences and turned them into training. And that's probably what we do. Everyday experiences like combing our hair, turning it into training. And we know, um, and, we need, and we should expect that, you know, kids are going to be kids. And um, they need boundaries. They need instruction. And it's just going to be repeated. But they're not, not going to learn it once. They're going to learn it again and again and again. So we want our children to listen to us, but we don't want them to be raised angry. And it's too easy to... To, to, you know, dwell on the tension and, and, and we have the potential to do that as fathers, to, do, to raise them angry. And this leads me to my last point. Uh, we need Christ to save us from having an unhealthy relationship with our children. We need Christ to save us from the potential to raise angry children. Okay. And at the beginning of this passage and at the end we find that the Lord is to be the driving motivation for our parenting. That the Lord is the driving motivation for our fatherhood. And we find here two important aspects of gospel-shaped fatherhood. We read, in the Lord and of the Lord. So in verse 1, in the Lord, obey your parents in the Lord. And in verse 4, of the Lord, discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that kind of frames everything that we do as, as fathers. And why is this important? And how does this help us? How does it save us? 
Well, it is to shape everything we do as fathers. In the Lord and of the Lord, it's to shape our fatherhood. What I mean is that we need to see fatherhood as gospel work. We need to see fatherhood through the eyes of Christ. We need to see his perfect obedience. We need to see him live in this world with boundaries and counselling, with discipline and instruction. Not that he needed any of it, nor did he need to be baptised or anything like that. I mean, um, John the Baptist was preaching, repent and be baptised, and what did he do? He went and got baptised. He didn't need to, but he needed to show us. He lived with restrictions in this world. He couldn't just do anything and everything he wanted to. He was focused on, on the will of his father. And we need to see that in him. We need to see a perfect and healthy relationship with his father. One that is warm and functional. One that is lasting. He said, um, he and his father are one. And God said about his son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is a really warm, functional relationship. And one that lasts forever. And we also need to see what he was willing, what he willingly done for us. That he gave himself up for us so we can have a right relationship with God the Father. We need to see that. And it's to shape our fatherhood. He gave up a perfect and healthy relationship, a warm and functional relationship that is lasting. He gave it up for us. And he did this to give us new life, new motivations and a new heart. Christ knows that to have a warm and functional relationship, a long-lasting relationship with our children, we need to first have this with God. And now that we do, we can see clearly that fatherhood is gospel work. The grace that has been freely given to us, we can freely give to our children. That's the gospel work. Freely given to us and freely given to our children. Sure, we might have points of conflict, but we know that it's... The conflict is only temporarily because there's a bigger picture. And that bigger picture comes from Christ and what he suffered on the cross for us so that we can have a right and lasting relationship with our Father in heaven. And that's where we get our motivation to have a right and lasting relationship with our children. You see, as much as I want my children to listen to me perfectly... I know that I don't listen to God perfectly and I rely on His grace to forgive me. And I'm just like my kids and if I beat them down with rules to follow, I'll never be able to show them grace. And I know that I need to show them the grace that God has shown me. My children rely on my grace to forgive them. As much as I want my children to receive discipline and instruction, I know that I need this more from God than they do. You know, Paul Tripp, um, he's got a really good book on parenting. And he calls um, um, children self-serving, self-sovereigns. You know, as soon as they're born, they, are, they, they are give the orders, not take them. 
They cry for their food. They cry for their naps. They cry to have their nappy changed. Um, they're just crying, demanding everything. And um, we grow up and we kind of a bit, bit the same, except we're not we're not crying in in such a way. We we kind of like um, we kind of like the, the self sovereigns, but adult versions. We can kind of like have, tone it down a bit. And it doesn't help if we approach our parenting as self-sovereigns. We'll never, well, first of all, we'll abuse our authority and we'll never be able to teach the, our children the gospel. So we really need to come under God's divine grace if we are to have that right relationship with our children. See, my, um, I know I need the discipline and instruction of the Lord more than my children do if, if I want to have that and raise my children um, not to be angry. And my, need, my children need to see this in everyday practice. And this is how Christ saves us from having an unhealthy relationship with our children. So, just to summarise a little bit, as fathers, we want our children to listen to us. It's important, you know, we... We want to be valued. We want to be honoured. It's not just that it's commanded. It makes for a good and long-lasting relationship. But as we teach our children, we have the potential to anger them and therefore have an unhealthy relationship with them. The potential is there. Okay. But we need Christ to save us from having an unhealthy relationship with our children. That's really, really important. If we don't... If we don't um, if we don't see fatherhood as gospel work, if we don't see that we are under divine grace, then we'll never be able to impart grace to our children. That's really, really important. So in conclusion, in conclusion, the reality is this. In Christ, fathers can have a warm, functional and lasting relationship with their children. In Christ. And that is the big idea of this passage. And that's what frames this passage. So in verse 1, in the Lord, verse 4, of the Lord. That's the frame. Listening, um, don't anger them. Uh, lean on Christ and, and the good work that he's done on the cross. I want to end with a story. Um, you see, um, at home, you know, I let my children watch Star Wars. And... Um, they like it. I like it. I think I want to watch it more for me, but they like it too. Um, and, you know, some people might say, well, um, you know, your Star Wars, you know, the religion of the Force is, isn't it, like, too much like Zoroastrianism and, and aren't, you, aren't you teaching your children wrong? Well, I don't think so. I, I like to think that um, everything in life has an opportunity. To, to teach right. I mean, it, and even if they learn about the force, I don't mind because then I can use that as an opportunity to, to illustrate what, you know, the difference is between religion and the gospel. And, um, and Rowan sometimes get, gets a bit angry from time to time and it's a bit like me when I was growing up. I used to get angry a lot. Um, not because, no, my parents didn't provoke me. That was my uh, siblings, actually. One, one in particular, but I won't name any names. Um, 
Um, yeah, so um, I used to get angry a lot. Um, so Rowan, Rowan, I see that in Rowan. And I said to Rowan one day, you know what? Fear and anger leads to the dark side. Because he knows that he knows that from Star Wars. And he's like, no, it doesn't. That's just pretend. That's from a movie. I said, no, no, Rowan. Fear and anger leads to the dark side. You see, um, children can get hooked on things. And, for example, Rowan is hooked on Lego. And that's the biggest thing in his life. It's really, really important. And um, if someone was to threaten to take that away from him, it'll make him angry. He'll get, he'll be, he'll get afraid that he's going to lose out. Someone's going to take his Lego from him. And that'll make him angry. So, yeah, look, fear and anger does lead to the dark side. Um, not of the force, but because, you know, that's pretend. <laughs> um, but if you think about it, I mean, we need to take everyday situations and do gospel work. We need to find how we can teach the gospel and everything. Um, and so I taught him that. And I told him that, what if... What if Lego wasn't the biggest thing in your life? What if God was the biggest thing in your life? And what if you put your trust in Him? Who's going to ever take God away? He's so big. No one can take Him from you. And he's like, well, how big is He? Is He as big as this this earth? And I said to him, you know what? He's infinity times bigger than this earth. How can anyone take that away from you? You see, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I didn't use the word idolatry, but I can see that you, we can make idols out of the things we, we can touch and feel, that they become so important to our lives, that they become the biggest thing. But I, and, and I, I don't want to come to him strong with a lot of discipline, because then he's going to resent me, because I'm threatening what he loves. He's going to become bitter to me. He's going to become angry. So I need to show him that there, the reason, so this is where, where instruction is really, really important. Um, I need to show him that whatever he finds to be the biggest thing, if someone can take it away from you, that's going to that's make you scared, that's going to make you angry, that's fear and anger that's leading you to the dark side. But if that, that thing that you hold on to dear, the thing that you love the most, the thing that's the biggest in your life, if that is God, who's infinity times bigger than anything, if that's what you treasure most, no one can take that away from you, so you'll never be afraid and you'll never get angry. And so I've taught him this, and I find this to be very, very effective, um, especially you know, now that he's in Beyblades, so I use it with Beyblades. Um, but he understands what the picture is. No one can take God away from him. And this is gospel work that we're doing. Let's um, bow our heads in prayer. Thank the Lord. Heavenly Father, we, um, we are truly grateful for this um, passage in Scripture. It teaches us so much. Um, yes, we desire to, to raise our children right. And that's what we want to do. To have a, um, a warm, functional and long-lasting relationship with them. And, and we thank you for your word and your instruction here. We thank you for your discipline. Uh, continue to um, uh, sharpen us, to to um, build us up, and 
and ready to do the, the gospel work that you've given to us. And may we um, live out your word in, in every um, part of this of our lives. We love you and we wish to um, thank you for um, the food that you provided. May we all be blessed, um, not just with the food, but with each other's um, presence, with each other's company. Um, and we also thank you for the life of Jeff. And um, we, are, we have been truly blessed that he has been a part of this congregation. It's, um, it's, just, um, it's just been so wonderful. We thank you for his life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.